episode of Paranormal, The New Normal. I am your host, as always, Jeremy, here to try to lend a little normalcy to this world. But these days, it gets harder and harder. But me and my guest always try to make it happen. And my guest tonight is Ron Mills, who is an author of two books that we're going to get into talking about them in a little bit. First, first things first. Ron, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to hear it. And it's a Monday, which is always hectic, but glad we can get you on on one of these hectic days and just we get to talk about fun stuff for a good a good hour or so. So, <laughs> so first things first, the question I ask everybody is, what got you into the paranormal, supernatural, spiritual world? Like, what got you into it from the start? When I was <clears throat> sorry, I got a little frog. When I was a kid, I was always interested in anything I would see that came on. Uh, um, the In Search of with Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> I used Nimoy, to love to watch yeah. that. Yeah, Loch Ness monster, ghosts, aliens, all that stuff interests me. Uh, <clears throat> I remember when I was a kid, I saw the. Um, you used to have movie of the weeks when he had three to four TV channels. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they had a music. Each, each station had uh, NBC, ABC, CBS. They had a movie of the week, a movie made for TV. And, it, and one time I'm looking there doing the promo, the Betty and Barney Hill story captured Ooh, that's it oh classic, my god classic classic right and i'm like about 10 or something that's my mom said let, let me stay up and watch it let me stay up it's a school night and she's like no you'll be asleep yeah it's up to 11 just mystified by the whole story <laughs> so, <laughs> and was lucky enough when i ended up getting the show to have uh catherine catherine martin on the, on there uh who was denise <laughs> I, I remember that show because James Earl Jones played Barney Hill. Ooh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Most people don't remember that as the, the voice of Dark Vader, you know. Oh, I mean that, I mean <clears throat> Larry Nimoy's show was definitely before my time. Like it was <clears throat> I was too young. I've seen reruns of it, but I don't think I ever caught the Barney Betty Hill one. No, this was a movie made for movie oh. TV. But I, oh. watched it. yeah, I watched yeah. the show, the series, all the time. So I was always trying to catch something like that, you know. And you know, just fascinated by UFOs and the possibility that there are other beings on other worlds, you know. Of course. And Star Trek, of course, I watched that, and and um, I had a B nine robot that broke. From Lost in Space. Nice. <laughs> Robot Bina. I love that too. So those were my favorite things. It interests me. <clears throat> so I mean, I just nice. couldn't get enough of it. So I was always looking for something like that, you know. Yeah, I was the same thing as a kid. Like for me, it was more books because I found books in my in my elementary school library that had Bigfoot and Loch Ness and all mm. those classic cryptids in it. And and aliens, of course, and it just fascinated me to no end, and that's what made me get into the same field as well. Which two like-minded individuals, which I like. So, my second question I always ask everybody is: Have you had any experiences yourself where you've seen anything like what you mentioned? Yes, definitely. 
Um, uh, I'm originally from Cleveland, and nice. I I lived in East Cleveland in this this building. What? No, no, it wasn't. It was on the edge of East Cleveland, and it's this building. And the guy bought it as his first time owning a building, and he's he was happy to have it. But it was an old building; it had like marble floors, and he turned them into efficiencies. And this grand staircase, he turned them to efficiencies. And <clears throat> mine was on the third floor. It had a Murphy bed, <laughs> a Murphy bed. You could pull out the wall, an old Murphy bed. Yeah. Yeah, and it had a mattress. When I first moved in, this is my nomadic period. I, I moved in there, and um, the Murphy bed was there and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, pulled it out. The mattress looked okay. I said, uh, I can't, you know, I'm going to get a futon, you know, later on in the week and stuff like that, you know, because this kitchenette, you can see everything from there. So I decided that night to put some uh, covering over. I'm going to sleep on uh, the Murphy bed and I'm afraid of it cause I, I'm a fan of the three Stoogers and the Murphy bed always goes up. Nobody can get out, you know, <laughs> but I pull it down. I'm sleeping. And then I feel something like somebody sat on the edge of the bed and I'm facing the opposite way about to fall asleep. Like somebody fell on the edge of the bed and I feel weight get in the bed. And my heart is about to beat through my chest. And I say, like, because I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, somebody broke in. <laughs> and and they got the nerve to get in bed with me. So <laughs> I'm ready to roll out, you know, roll out and fight whatever there is in there and stuff. So whoever came in, I'm thinking, because you can see everything. You see the door. I think it's like five windows. You can see everything from there. And there's a little kitchenette and there's the bathroom. That's it. So I'm literally sleeping in the living room with the um, Murphy bed. So I roll out ready to challenge whatever there was. And I see this weight. It looks like a body there. And I'm looking and then the weight gets off the bed. And I'm just like, you know, I just fell back on the floor. Just like, I think that was a ghost, you know. But Yeah, what else could you do? Right. And then same building, I would hear people walking on the marble floor like they had on hard shoes. And I was like, who is that? And I look out the door, there's nobody. It stops. Um, but I think one of the most scary things, other than Murphy bed, that was really scary because I got a futon the next day. I said, I'm never sleep on that thing again. So <laughs> the next day, um, I get the futon and everything, but I used to work this other job and and I used to get in really late. So I'm laying in bed and I'm beginning to fall asleep. And um, I hear somebody say, Ron, in my ear. And I'm thinking, I'm falling asleep. I'm starting to dream, you know, just <laughs> relax and stuff. And I hear somebody say, Ron, and I hear the feel the breath on my ear. And get up and grab my ear and stuff. There's nothing there. So it was that building. I had to get out of that building. There was something weird going on there. And it looked like it's just with the Murphy bed and stuff. Like it was in been around since the 30s or 20s. So 
somebody who's still living in there. So, yeah, I I get that because the house I live in now, my first house I ever bought, it the previous residents are still living here. We believe, and we've actually had paranormal investigators in here about wow. a year ago to prove it. So they're still they're still here, and they don't bother us too much. They we can sense them around us, but they they talked to me on one occasion when the investigators were here. But since then, they haven't talked to me, and they just kind of keep to themselves. And we think they watch over the kids because they never had any. So, but I could, I could really, I mean, my wife has had some weird experiences with them where they brush her hair or like touch her shoulder or that type of thing. So, wow, it's it's strange. But do you have so, any animals? Because they they see. Yes, I actually, I've had one mastiff now for since Easter and she, she, when she first came home, like the first few months she was living here, she would start barking at nothing like in the house, like, especially looking at mirrors, she would bark at nothing. Mm-hmm. But so, I mean, she definitely senses something here and like they, they, they stay in their cages in the basement when they're not in the house or when they're not outside. So, I mean, they def and they'll bark at nothing in the basement all of a sudden. I mean, it may be a mouse running through too, but, we also, but a lot of times, like during the winter, during the dead of winter, then like the middle of summer when there's no mice in the house because they're all outside, like mm-hmm. they'll start barking randomly, and it's just like we got two of them now, of course, and it's just like they they bark at the most random things, and it's just nothing there, and at least that we can see, but they could probably see more than we can, of course. So it's, I mean, there's definitely spirits in this house, and we don't know if it's just the two of them or if there's more. I actually plan on having someone come this month to come clean my house out because it gets to the point sometimes at night, like late at night where it gets creepy. And like my wife, my wife will come to me while I'm sitting on the couch and be like, there's coldness all around you. And I'm just like, I didn't feel it, but okay. It's possible. I guess. I mean, in, in, in this house, anything's possible for Halloween. We literally bought a sign to put in our door that says home sweet haunted home. And it's a true, it's a, it's a, it's the truest decoration ever. <laughs> but <laughs> I believe cats like uh this is a movie yeah. Constantine when yep. he's like, Yeah, he had to uh ask if his sister in the hell he put his feet in water and say, Give me the cat and he said they have one foot in this world and one foot out the other. <laughs> and I believe that with cats because we had a cat and the cat would just decide all of a sudden they had to be in the kitchen. Just got up and ran, you know, and be like, What's going on? What's in there? Nothing. The cat just stopped, and yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, cats are definitely more observant of these things than dogs are, because mm-hmm. dogs are kind of not—I don't want to say stupid, but they're kind of dumb compared to cats, and they get distracted by the smallest thing possible. So, but <laughs> so I mean, but cats are definitely more observant. But dogs do see things as well. I am a high believer of that. I mean, my dog will bark her head off, and then like you take her outside. She has to go bathroom or anything like that and then it's just like you eventually she'll go back inside and she'll start barking again and it's like okay there's definitely something in this room if she's barking in this room constantly and she'll bark and she'll look around like she's following something so i mean i i believe it it's 100 percent. I, be, I believe it i know there's spirits in this house it's been proven and i actually had one of them thank me for all the work i did to the house when i bought it so wow. it's it, it it was creepy my my when that happened, my back had chills down it, and I was sweating. And I asked the two investigators in the room, like, "Did you guys hear that?" And they're like, "Nope, we didn't hear anything." <laughs> but it was just so creepy. But anyway, 
Um, well, I know you're interested in aliens. Have you had any experience of seeing UFOs or anything like that? Or only only once, and it was um. <laughs> I'm still really sure or not if I saw it, but I'm positive I did because you want to think it's something else. You don't realize it. Um, my kids were little, you know, I had divorced my first wife, so I would take them out and do stuff. So it's like, okay, we can grab some happy meals. And, uh, I got this, like these 89 cent kites. It looked like painted garbage bags over plastic, one of those, you know, like that. And, so I get them to run, you know, you gotta run to get it, catch the wind and stuff, you know, so I could tire them out. But of course. So yeah, so you gotta run. So they had a lot of fun doing it. And other people were down, we were on Lake Erie and other people were down flying kites. It was kind of a good day to fly kites. The wind wasn't that bad then. So other people had box kites. Their kites were really high, you know? Yeah. And the girls were trying to get theirs up and stuff. And, we got it up a little and stuff. And then it started getting really windy and stuff. And it says it's going to tear up this dollar kite, <laughs> these dollar kites we got, you know, I said, let's pull them in and go. Cause it's getting really windy. Cause I saw the real good kite flyers start pulling their stuff in. Cause it got really windy. And I was like, whose kite is that? It's really up there. It's like silver triangle, <laughs> you know? I was like, wow, they got that kite really up high. I said, did it break the tether? And so I'm looking at it. And then it slowly starts moving across the lake and <laughs> going a little faster. And it doesn't do like a kite. If you had one of the triangle ones flip around, it was just still flat. You could see the bottom of silver. And I was like, I think that's a UFO. And it took off, you know. I think it's a UFO. It shot through the clouds. I'm like... Oh, that's not a kite. Kite wouldn't be able to go that high, I'm thinking. And then I said, the perinuclear plant is around here. Now, UFOs like to hang around nuclear plants. So a perinuclear plant is across the lake. So I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, maybe it was, you know, a UFO. Yeah, I mean... It most likely was. I mean, a silver triangle is a very, as you know, is a very highly mm. discussed UFO shape, and that's. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people say that's usually like the mother ship, or if it's bigger, if it's smaller, it's like a scout ship. But I mean, it's just. Mm. I've had, I've had, I've had one UFO sighting as well, where I saw a cluster of them in the night sky, and I actually didn't spot them at first. My son spotted them when he was like six years old, five years old. Mm-hmm. And he, he just, he asked me, he's like, why are those stars moving? And I'm like, and I, I had a few drinks at that point. So I'm like, what are you talking about? Stars don't move. And I'm like, I look up, I'm like, Oh, what's this now? And literally they, they must've been far from earth. I'm guessing. Cause they were stars, but like, they look like stars, but seven or eight of them in a formation, just going through space. And wow. it was, they were moving at a speed that, I mean, obviously stars don't move fast enough for the naked eye to see them. So, and they were moving fast enough that the naked eye could see them all moving in a formation, just traveling, I'm guessing through space. I'm guessing they weren't even on in Earth's atmosphere because they were that small. But it was it was trippy. I mean, it was in the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it was in the Bridgewater Triangle, which is a highly known UFO alien encounter area. So... I believe that our, our government 
is hiding a lot of stuff. And I am an older gentleman. I could say older, I get more seasoned. But um, I look at the I look at the technology, and um, they talk about the technology since Roswell in the 40s had just tremendously just shot, you know, like a record time, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because I was like, oh, when I was growing up, we had three channels and now TV's almost becoming obsolete. <laughs> You're streaming everything. And, you know, I was telling one of my friends, I said, oh, let me check out something on the game and stuff. And I was like, I'm watching stuff on my phone. <laughs> it's like, it is amazing. There's no wires. There's no, it's, I'm, I'm watching stuff on my phone. I was like, this is Jetson stuff that <laughs> we we're thinking about as a kid. And how did we get here? And I remember reading something about um, Corso talking about the technology that they back engineered and threw back to um, companies like IBM and stuff like that. The stuff they wanted, they military wanted stuff like they said when they had these aliens and they unclothed them and stuff, Kevlar, uh, night vision and stuff like that, stuff that they got from them, you know, that they back engineered Velcro and, you know, just yeah. <laughs> interesting to see what other stuff that they got that they never told us about. But fiber optics um, pretty much created a lot of the stuff that we're using, you know, so that they back engineered. So, oh, yeah, I mean, that fiber, fiber optics create, create the Internet and create everything yes. we're able to do today. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a firm believer that, I mean, the, gov the government admitted that UFOs exist and they can't explain them. They made that during COVID because they knew it would be sweep, swept underneath the rug and no one would say anything about it because there was a bigger concern at the time than the fact that aliens exist. But for people like you and me who are paranormal lovers, we immediately were like, what now? Mm -hmm. You're admitting it finally? After after Operation Blue Book, after Area 51 and all mm -hmm. this stuff, you're finally admitting it. <laughs> like we've known for years. It's just finally getting to the point where you're admitting it. Like, God. When, when they, uh, I remember um, looking it up because one time I was doing a show and stuff like that. Um, they were, especially the United States Army admitted, you know, uh, you know, in the military, it's not really anything, you know, out there. Nothing we could prove, very little and stuff. And they were saying, yeah, oh, it's just very little out there. Nothing we could really prove and nothing. But, I saw them learn after the Roswell incident. Now you're saying there are things that don't exist, but you put into your military handbooks how to handle how to handle the locals should a flying saucer land. You didn't say that they're out there. You didn't admit that, but it's how to handle the locals because you you ran into that problem before in Roswell afterwards is in their military handbooks because they're going to get there first because people would think oh it's a down airplane is going to how do we handle the locals the police the fire department they're going to beat us there 
Nobody said, oh, you know, call the government agencies and say flying saucer land that most people are going to think maybe like uh, Mark Brazel's ranch, something crashed like an airplane or something. So they're going to get there first. So you have to handle and you have to learn how to engage the locals so they don't start running their mouth. Yeah. And exactly. taking pictures. I mean, now, now, how are you going to stop it if one lands and occupy? Everybody has a camera now. Everybody's a reporter. So they're in real trouble now. But yet, yet, these cameras seem to always take blurry pictures. Yes. And that, that's because the extraterrestrials have a ability to blur pictures taken by devices. Because if you think they didn't help develop these devices to some degree, you are out of your mind. So, I mean, it's all, it's, I mean, I truly believe the government has been taking tech. One of my favorite book series when I was a kid was the first book in it was called my teacher is an alien. And like, it basically was a story of how a student finds out that his teacher in middle school was an alien by looking through his house window. Cause he thought something was off about him mm-hmm. and he sees him take off his skin mask and he's really an, like a reptilian basically. And eventually develops in the books that like Einstein was an alien and like all the greatest invent all the greatest inventors in like the 20th century were aliens and that they helped us free everything, which I love this book series. I wish I could find it for my kid so he can read it. I got to look into it more, but it was just a good book series and it kind of like fueled my fire for paranormal and alien activity when I was a kid because it just and it's kind of true, I think, because it's. Everything we think is, I mean, I don't know if Einstein was an alien. It's possible, I guess, but I doubt it, kind of. But, I mean, it could be a very true theory that we, a lot of stuff we were able to develop over the last 50, 60 years, at least, were stuff we learned about from down UFOs and from, I mean, mm-hmm. aliens have had contact with our government before. We have proof exactly. of that. The Valiant Thor yeah. uh, incident with, um, I believe it was Eisenhower. Where, where where an alien actually stayed in the Pentagon slash White House mm-hmm. for weeks trying to talk them out of using nuclear arms. They were living inside of Venus, and they said they were living inside Venus, the planet Venus. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I is, who is it that said um, our moon, and we're about to have a eclipse, that the moon is almost like a Death Star type of thing? I, I, I forget who said it, but all I know is that people get the people that um, the people that are the astronauts that came back from the first trip to the moon. Mm-hmm. They all look pretty terrified in the uh, conference afterwards. So, I mean, that right there should tell you something. <laughs> and then I think it was it was um, I think somebody caught them like and back then you you had signals, but. You, you, people on ham radios can catch a lot of stuff yeah. and a lot of stuff would slip out because we don't have the technology now to boost everything around and spread it around and stuff but when I did one thing and somebody was um, how terrified that the astronauts were and they kind of caught them on they said they're lined up on the crater <laughs> they're lined up talking about their flying saucers lined up in the crater and they said, we know about that. Go go the other way. <laughs> They're telling they go the other way. And we essentially went to the moon in a a 76 Chevy Nova. 
<laughs> with the, there's more computer technology in our phones than it had then. And we've not been back since. I believe we were told not to come back. I believe. I, I'm a firm believer in that as well. Cause I mean, mm. I mean, they say like that part of the footage where it went static, like mm -hmm. it didn't go static. That was the government that, 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 that was the government just blocking out like mm -hmm. what they didn't want you to see. Because there was a delay between what NASA saw and what they actually what was happening in real time, so I mean, well, I mean, what between what NASA let the public see and what was happening right. in real time, so I mean, I yeah, I to me, it's a hundred percent that there's definitely some kind of species that has a base in the moon, mm -hmm. and I mean, the moon's always been there. It's it, it controls a lot of stuff on Earth. And I think that um. A species just, just they developed a base there who knows how long ago it could have been during ancient times on earth and they just decided that like when people start when we finally went to the moon they just literally told them like you can't come back here hmm. like send your probe send your droids whatever you can't come back here as humans because eventually it's going to lead to us being discovered and we don't want that and they relayed that message to the government and the government was like yeah, we are going to agree with that because we don't want to have to deal with another species that could be way more advanced than us if they have a base on the moon. So, and I think it was during the Obama administration they shot a a rocket there to blow it up on the moon. The moon rang for almost like forty minutes to show it was hollow. Yeah, <laughs> it rang like a bell, and it what. Why do you do that? They said, oh, we're running an experiment. What type of experiment was that? Because, in, and ours is too perfect. When you look at the other ones, it's, it's too perfect. It's too round. It's the, the other ones. <laughs> they said, we have almost the most perfect type of moon, the orbit and everything. It's, uh, and uh, it's amazing that every 28 days, the moon circles the earth and woman cycle is around 28 days or you know it's just it's too perfect when they look at all the other moons we have one and it's very perfect and you know and its orbit is just not like the other ones they the other ones have these elliptic orbits and stuff ours is just kind of just too perfect and i said it was it was placed there for a reason i think oh i agree i mean i agree 100 percent and I don't know what you said. We'll find out because things run into it, but the craters aren't really, really like it. It's pulverized, or parts of it is knocked off. It's just like there's this metal structure and there's dirt. They put this nice dirt and stuff around, <laughs> you know. Exactly. I mean, I don't know, but. But let's get on. I mean, we're already half hour in almost. So let's get into your books you've written because I'm curious as could be. And I kind of looked into them a little bit, like the description and whatnot. And the first book you wrote has three different stories in it, which, I mean, I've seen people do that before, but I want to hear why you did it. Attention deficit disorder. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think. Um, you know what? I had this idea. I'm thinking, you know, um, I was like, angelic beings is they're very interesting. 
And I was like, what if? And even before the pandemic in 2004, about 2003, I wrote Healers. I say, okay. Biblically, they say, you know, people get lay hands on you in those days and heal you of any diseases. And um, there's still people that can do it today. And I said, if they were, what? I said, what would they be doing? Because they wouldn't really, they, if they're smart enough, they'd hide. The, the fraudsters are out there because, like I said, I was working a late job, so came in late. Well, wanted to fall asleep in front of some TV, and that's when I was still at the haunted. What you call it? So I wanted to fall asleep in front of the TV, and there's, there was this minister on there, and he was um, claiming that he he could lay hands on the heel, and I was like, oh, this guy's such a fraud. And he he had this big basket that we call healing prayer cloths. If you send him five dollars, he's gonna mail you back one of those cloths, like strips of cloth. And he put his hands in them and he started saying, speaking in tongue and everything. And I was like, oh my God, this is so. <laughs> People are going to buy this $5. You know, put his hands, said these words like you're speaking in tongues and send me $5. I'll send you this prayer cloth and stuff. Keep it in your pocket, your wallet. And I said, if people had the power to do this, they would not be like him. No, they and and who would the power be given to? And so, I had a set of three that came in my mind who it was. And the first one, the first book is titled "The Gangster and the Gift." And I said, "What if somebody, a kid that just joined, seventeen-year-old kid that just joined a street gang, acquired the power to instantaneously heal?" And uh, how would it change his life, you know? And I said, because, you know, I think these gifts would come to unusual people, just not not the people we think it was, like that minister. <laughs> I wouldn't think it would come to those type of people. It would come to somebody who was like, how the hell did this happen to me? And trying to figure those out how in, to use it. <laughs> it would come to those in need. It wouldn't yes. come to a... Uh, it wouldn't come to what typically we see on TV and what yes. we see about on the internet on the internet nowadays, like a white, a, a rich white man who just all of a sudden, like, yeah, he gets power. He doesn't even really need because he has everything he wants already. Mm -hmm. So it would, it would come to those in need, I think. So I was like, how would it change this kid's life? And uh, what would he do with the power? And so then I had another, and it's a story in a story. It's really being told by this guy who runs into his friend. He runs into his friend. His friend was dying of cancer and all of a sudden he's well. And he said, oh, he meets him at McDonald's. He said, well, I'm gonna tell you three stories here, you know, and tell him the three stories and how eventually you end up in a, how he, he was healed. So he a guy named Richard Scott tells him the three stories. So the gangster and the gift is the first one uh, giving away and so, and then the second one is called Good Intentions. Uh, the, um, what's that phrase? Uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Because yeah. I said, yeah, what if it was given to a minister who was good and honest with a small congregation of church and stuff, very small church, not a mega church. And he has it, he has an older congregation and his whole thing. And 
his backstory, he's had a miracle, but it doesn't change him for the better. It doesn't put him on a collision course because each time in the story, there's an angel giving you, presenting you with this gift. And then the gangster in the gift, the angel was seven feet and a half muscular black coat over, you know, and stuff. So the angels are different in each story. The, and so uh, in that one, it's basically the shaft of angels. Yes, yes, definitely. Because is a go and give this gift to a kid in a horrible street gang. So, um, so. And the second one is, it's almost when I say, you know, there's lost souls. Lost souls is because this preacher has this healing, this healing. He was healed when he was younger by this strange character in the hollers, because my grandmothers grew up in the hollers and stuff like that, you know, in the South. And it's a strange guy who was an ex-slave named Catco Smith, Smith, and he he heals the boy. But his father's a minister, and his father thinks it's an act of the devil because that guy that hangs out in the woods and everything, you know, he's some type of conjurer man. But, you know, when people have the gift, some people will shun him. So, and he has always wanted that gift. And it does not change him for the better. And the third story is called uh, Only Women Bleed. And this is a uh, mother who is um, has two small children in an abusive marriage. And she acquires the power to heal. And um, I, I, I call it Only Women Bleed because uh, there's an old... Um, old song by Alice Cooper. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah. Alice Cooper, I like that. Only women bleed. Yeah. Very interesting story. <laughs> but yeah, and that's given to this this mother who's literally getting um beat up daily by her husband and how she uses it and how it changes her life. And essentially I had these three characters, three different characters, and I wonder how and what they would do with it, you know. And that was the thought because, and sort of reissued it strangely enough before COVID hit. <laughs> okay. All right. And where angels come in, and in, in this, in the second one, it was an interesting character who is the angel of disease and pestilence. And he, um, it, you know, angels are interesting because in in the Abrahamic religions, uh, they depict angels as celestial intermediaries between God and humanity. Yes. Uh, they're protectors and guides for humans and servants of God. As they they have a hierarchy, and it varies depending on the source. So depends on who you go for the source but i you know there's pictures of them wings and everything because in that book i say they fly between heaven and earth and um but um it's it's this interesting dichotomy between them 
and and you create this being that is very strong. He says going to be a servant to man, and you give it, you give the being just like we have free will. You gave this being free will because if we understand, we read and stuff. There was this, there was this war in heaven. Yeah. Right. The great falling, the great falling of the morning star. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Lucifer did not want to serve men, and as I said one of the, uh, one of my favorite movies, the Pro- prophecy with Christopher Walken in it. Can't say I've seen it, but i yeah. I have read I have read um not Dante Deferto um my God I always forget the name of this book, but basically it's the story of Lucifer falling from Lucifer's perspective. I forget what it's called. I always do, but um, God, it'll come to me. It always comes to me eventually. He, but yeah, and, uh, and uh, prophecy. He calls it. He calls men monkeys. Yes, <laughs> and he, you know, he, God loves you more than us, and you know, it's like, and he's kind of pissed about it and looking for this great evil, and there were rules and stuff, and he comes down and. He gets people that are about to die to do his bidding. And he said, no, 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 no. People commit suicide. No, no. It brings them back and stuff. And he makes them drive the car and stuff. And they say, why don't you do it yourself? And Christopher Walken, you know, this voice said, there are rules. Uh, we, we could do things, but no operating mechanical stuff, you know. <laughs> My bad, Christopher Walken. And <laughs> I, I got I to watch that movie. I love Christopher Walken. I got to watch Yeah, it. you have to see it. It spawned another. It was really good. And, you know, and he's pretty mad because and the guy is trying to stop him is a guy who became a, was going to become a priest, but lost his, he lost his belief. He lost his religion. So he became a cop. And so he's trying to find it. They think he's looking for a killer. But it's this angel who is Gabriel, and he's starting stuff, and you know, and oh, he okay. wants to know why God is chosen the man over him. And there's a classic scene where he's like, you know, he's telling, he's beating up on the cop, and he was telling him, he said, "Why don't you?" Because he was the next priest. He was going to be a priest that didn't take the oath, and he was told him he said, "Um," he said, "Why don't you?" Why don't you ask God? You know, is that why he did it? You mean he answers, ask God. And Christopher Walken in his voice, you know, I would, but he doesn't talk to me anymore. You know, <laughs> why is it? But it's it's always this classic thing where angels are you're showing that they they do have the will, and I I wanted to show that too with um the character I put in the second story, Amziel, and he's angry because he didn't join in the war when he didn't join in the war he once said he we wanted to wait to see who won and so he wasn't allowed in hell he wasn't allowed in heaven so he's like and it's weird that before the COVID is like he said whenever his he he had the stench of millions of diseases on him and you know he he was hunched over he was no longer beautiful. His wings were no longer white, and they're moldy. And when they drop, and uh, 
an un, a new uncurable disease would come, you know, when he'd mold yeah. it. And he said, I couldn't. And for years, he's been searching for, he tried, he said, years he looked for him, the Christ. He said, because he's the only one to kill him. He said, now he's looking for the second coming. So, but he is, he is, uh, the angel, the interesting anti-character that I throw in there. So, but the, watching all of these movies about angels and studying angels and stuff, because I, I look, the jobs of them are messengers too. Yeah. Yeah. You, they had to tell the birth of Christ, you know, um, and the Christmas story, you know, Gabriel appears and Mary tells her, that she's going to be the mother of Jesus and you bring information. Um, they're enforcers. And that's the usual thing. There's just ancient pictures with them with swords and everything. And um, the yeah, power of I, it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Cause in the book, I, in the book, the book I was thinking of is paradise lost. Hmm. That It's a story of Lucifer falling, but from his story, his it's from, it's like, it's kind of like the thing I always relate to is like the story of three little pigs, but from the big bad wolf's perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that, but in that story, like there's a lot of sword fights between the angels, mm -hmm. and of course there's the big war, of course. But yeah, you had uh, um, uh, one angel killed uh, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers, <laughs> according according to the Book of Isaiah. Just one angel. Mm -hmm. Set up there that night, killed them in one night. So, you know, it, of course, in Egypt, the Passover, the angel of death, the Easter story, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, every first Egyptian born as angel of death. Yeah, they put a mark on their door and stuff, the angel of death. And in my, <laughs> it, it, in my story, MZL is even jealous of the angel of death. He's like, you you have a purpose, you know, take people out of their misery. Uh, me, I'm just, I give them the most horrible diseases. They live in pain, live through them. So Sodom and Gomorrah, two angels wiped you know, towns out, literally. So they have this great power and they have will, but beyond the Bible, if you go to uh, the Apocryphers, the Book of Enoch, and I was yeah. like, the Watchers, the Watchers had a will to say they were like in the hierarchy of little lore. So God tells them, go down there and I want you to teach men certain things, you know, the seasons, when the plant, when to do certain things and stuff, you know. So the earth was young. Yeah, they decided to. They saw the women of men, they took them for their own. And their offspring were giants, literally. Yeah, the the um, my God, why am I the Nephilim? Mm -hmm. Nephilim, yeah. So literally, and God's pissed off about that. You know, it's like you know, you're down there, and and it was like we're in trouble now. We're in trouble. We need somebody to talk for us. Best thing an angel could do is find a righteous man. They find Enoch, an Ethiopian Jew. I said, you need to go and plead our case to God for us because he's pissed at us. And it was like, so he goes to plead their case and 
he tries and God says, never mind, never mind. It's, a, it's already taken care of. And said, they're supposed to be the ones locked up to the end of days and stuff because they're thrown in the pit, locked up for the end of the days to be released sometime later, you know. And, um, but the, Enoch, what about the giants? They're not only eating the fat of lion, they're eating men. And, you know, they're eating men too. And so, and these huge giants are roaming around. And, and I noticed that ministers will stay, they won't read other, <laughs> they won't read other texts because that those are the ones that are taken out of the Bible and said they're the apocryphs. They're not really with the Bible. They took them out. But Constantine was deciding what went in the the council of Nicaea decided really what, what goes in the Bible and what does not. So and they didn't like the fact that angels have free will. So but it explains the story when I was a kid and I'm going to church. And it, Disclaimer, I no longer go to church. <laughs> so, so I'm a kid at Mass and the minister is like, yeah, David and Goliath. He said there were giants in those days. I'm like, really? And, you know, me, the paranormal thing, where'd they come from? Where, where, where Giants were around? Are they still around? You know, I'm, and he's like, uh, he said, yeah, where'd they come from? He said they were just here. So when I get older, I read and stuff, what happened and stuff, because that book is linked directly to the Bible because Enoch is God tells Enoch said, don't worry, that will be taken care of by your great, great grandson, your great, 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 great grandson, who is Noah, the flood, <laughs> you know? So if you look in Genesis, begat, 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 Enoch is in there. Why take out his book? <laughs> He's in there. Begat, I, begat, begat. <laughs> well, I mean, his books were taken out like all the other books because the kings of England and kings of France yes. wanted them taken out to try to get their word so that they thought they were unnecessary or they thought they were against things they believed. Mm -hmm. So they wanted the books taken out just to serve their ends, kind of. <laughs> Which I think, I mean, that's why I'm not religious anymore. I'm agnostic. I believe there's something out there, whether it's extraterrestrial or whether it's the God we all suppose we are supposed to believe in. I mean, there's something out there. I believe that, but I'm not going to give my money or my loyalty to any religion because I can't. They all have their own lies and they all have done falsehoods throughout history. So to me, that's just the way it is. Like I, I can't believe in any one religion. Like I have to just kind of believe in myself and the fact that there's something out there and I want to believe, but until I see the proof, I can't believe. Personally. And it, I, I think I've seen the proof in a, just from things that are around the planet. I can't believe it's evolution. And so I can't say, and I think religion is man-made. I remember I had um, a show, I had a hard storm on there, the book, My Descent into Hell. He didn't believe in anything with the hell and stuff and came back as a minister in Ohio and talked about being tortured and everything. And, and and so he didn't believe in anything, but um, he essentially he gets to talk to Jesus and ask Jesus one of the questions is, "What's the best religion?" Because Jesus saves him from hell, and he said, "Whatever brings you closer to God." So I believe religions are man-made because I can't believe that 
the Muslims are going to hell. I can't believe the Jehovah's Witnesses are going to hell. I can't believe the Hindus are going to hell. I can't believe that. You know, I believe it's like a group. We we said, oh, we believe in close to the same thing. So we could believe this together and sit down. And, you know, I think there's just a group and stuff. But I, you know, it's just we're on this rock. See, that, that is, just made me, that's made me laugh so hard because it reminds me of the South Park episode where they talk to God in two th- during 2000 mm-hmm. when, God, when God comes back 2,000 years later. And they ask him who's going to hell. And he's like, the Mormons. <laughs> but I, I do believe, just like I can't believe, as the other day I was listening to a radio show host and he was talking about that. And he always says, there's nothing out there. There's just us. I was like, really? <laughs> Are we that arrogant that <laughs> there's just us and billions upon billions? You can't even count them. Stars and worlds. And I was like, it's just us. I was like, I was telling somebody that. I said, it's the equivalent. I said, whoever it is that made things is smart enough to know that we won't get along probably. We, we're we're technically we're definitely the same species but through the only part of evolution is where we moved and stuff to change our color and hair and features and i was like so we are i said but of all the insects they're probably one of the ones that's you just ants and it's like light years away from different species of ants there's some in the tropics there's uh, and it's like if that was like a planetary system they would be light years away i believe they they said they don't get along and they're all together so <laughs> they're gonna get along you know i hope that one day to see the star trek thing where um they said once they find out that we're not alone in space then <laughs> we all get along on the planet earth because we're like <laughs> we become a nation on the planet earth because there's a lot more out there now <laughs> We exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's when the planet Earth will finally all get along is mm-hmm. when they have a common enemy to go against, which will be an extraterrestrial species who wants to destroy us. So that's my full belief, too, is that that's when human beings will all get along, no matter what race or creed or religion they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it might be like in humanoid. um I, I always had wondered, I was like, when I watched Star Trek as a kid, I was like, okay, this is Vulcans. How do they get there? Until I saw the next generation movie with yeah. Zephyr and Cochran and yeah. uh, the Vulcans, it really, the Borg went back in time to stop Zephyr and Cochran because it was after the nuclear wars. He was making a rocket and he was really making a rocket. And they had this great thing, this great man, but he wasn't. He was drinking, he, you know, listening to old rock music and stuff. He was a mess. But they said, we got to help him get this rocket, you know, back in. So the Borg wanted to stop him from going there. They said, because once he shoots this rocket and it does, it shoots in space, space and it does this orbit and comes back down, who's going to see it? The Vulcans are passing by. And they said, just somebody went into war. So they're a little smarter on this planet than we think. This is the first time somebody went into warp speed. 
So the Vulcans come down and talk to them and stuff. And that's what started the whole thing. The Vulcans started technology and stuff. But, you know, it's like we think this man has always been this great, great man. It's not who you think. <laughs> and I remember they, they told him things, you know, about himself. He was a drunkard and stuff. And I remember Riker quoted something. He said, who the hell said something dumb like that? He said, you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I, I remember he was afraid. He was like, you know, and Jody LaForge kept looking at him. He said, it's just you. And he said, what? He said, I, I went to, he said, I went to Zephyrin Cochran High School. You know, and he's talking, <laughs> there's a statue of you standing with your hand out reaching the space. He was like, I'm not that guy, you know. So, but he was just an ordinary guy that did something. But I said, once the, the Vulcans came down, they had this whole different world they decided to change their aim and i saw in the next generation an episode where they found these guys from the the 20th century and they like a capsule they had been frozen and one of the guys was a multi-billionaire and he was like you know picard i gotta talk to you you gotta take me back to earth now i'm a very rich man i can make you rich and he was like you know he kept bothering him he said we we don't really have a money system he said what he said, but I, I got a lawyer, got my money and stuff. He said, we don't really have. He said, well, money's not the aim anymore. And he said, what do you, what do you mean money's not the aim? He said, well, we've, we've stopped homelessness, poverty, you know. And, and he was like, the disease. And he was like, our, our thing now is to be the best we can, you know, and, and be the best people we can and, and learn as much as we can. And he was like, from the 20th century, he's like, you completely ruined the planet. You know, that was his <laughs> thought. <laughs> Once we found out there's all this stuff out here and more, you know, we had to become more. So, but yeah, when I, when I made the stories, I just wanted to get this human side of what would happen if people got this extraordinary power. And, and how would it change them or how it make them better? A sense in that whole thing. And, and because, you know, there's a great responsibility with power. I'm going to take uh, Stan Lee stuff with <laughs> Spider-Man. But yeah. With, with great power comes great responsibility. One of the truest yeah. statements that should be followed at any times. But right. well, we're getting close to the end here, so. People, people can read that book if they want to hear about the third story, which they should read it because I actually am going to be looking to get it myself because that sounds interesting as could be. One of my first episodes of this show was with an author named Brandy Alexander, and she's only written one book so far, but I actually read it for, before the episode. Mm -hmm. I, read it, I read it in three days because it was one of the best books I've, I've read in years. And it's all about a kid who could see ghosts because he had a near-death experience. I and he had near death experience when he was a kid and he could see his brother's spirit and other spirits and they help him with become like a basically like a detective and it, it develops into a subplot with like a huge plot with angels and demons it's an amazing book it's mm -hmm. called it's called um god it, it's called genesis a paranormal alliance destined to fight the forces of evil mm -hmm. that's the name of the first book and it's an amazing book and she talked about the second and third book when I had her on and that she that she she wrote the second book. She was writing the third at that point. 
at this point she has a third written already and i can't wait for her sequels to come out because they sound they are incredible books from what i've read so far but let's talk about your second book for a second island alien that 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 title that title alone kind of intrigued me um i was with a friend and uh um she's a girlfriend and uh we we were going to put in bay cleveland south south bass island yeah so it's like um and it's really a party uh, island a little party island of lake erie so you take the jet express over there or you take the ferry and uh, it's about a mile long and you rent golf carts to move around there or bikes and there's really bars and everything it has like it has a school it has um it has a police system because people are going there you know especially college kids we went before the college rush came you know and stuff so I'm sitting there and, and it's fun. There's a winery, there's a butterfly exhibit. Um, there's a caves. And I was like, you know, again, it's not far, it's part of Lake Erie. And I'm like, this would be a perfect place for a UFO to kind of come and visit. And I'm thinking, but this is great for adults, but it's got to suck for kids because it's like a party island. And I think only the thing kids would want to do is go to mainland because it was like, yeah, they're video games, but they're in the bars and stuff, but there's no movie theaters and stuff. There's a school. So I think you'd want to go to the mainland to do anything and stuff. And they said, you know, in winter, they kind of hunker down, you know, but it's easy to get through, get back and forth and stuff. And they kind of take care of each other. And we stayed at a bed and breakfast. So I had the idea. What if, um, the kid and I said, and I, I was one of my friends. Like I read books on my cell phone. I said, I can't hardly see them. <laughs> it's like you don't have a Kindle. You say I read them. So I said, I'm gonna make novella, and I'm gonna call them the cell phone series. And I said, I'll do three little stories. You know, and this story people ever ask, are you in any of your stories? And I said, it's strange. I said this this one, the protagonist in this story is um you know is a kid at a ufo conference telling about his father's experience his yeah. father and his father had a show uh you know a paranormal show you know about ufos and everything and he had a show because his encounter with a ufo when he, he had this encounter with somebody a ufo and an alien and there's also men in black they appear on the aisle and everything too and you know and this unusual alien in a in a human form and they kind of you know form a little bomb briefly and he leaves and and you know and the son hated his father because he dragged him to it was all great when he's younger but a teenager dragging to his ufo MUFON conferences and everything to talk to he said when he got older his kids you know this you know they talked about his made fun your father is the ufo guy and you know uh, which i've heard with me when i had a show too <laughs> so that is a story is it is a novella is good it, it's i think it's interesting it talks about meeting a uh, an alien and how 
it changes your life and not an alien that explains, you know, about, about life and what's on this planet already, what's on this planet and that you don't know about, <laughs> you know, because it, they're close to caves. I got to have the, the men, the men in black who are secretly reptilians. So I got to have them if you got caves, if you, oh, the course, reptilian course. race, yes. The reptilian race that is there and stuff. So, and people say, that's nonsense. I was like, yeah. It's snakes not, and snake people have been around a long time through different cultures. And what you think, it, you know, what they've seen. And I said, some things go back so far that they have to be essentially quiet there's got to be something to them like in every culture there's a flood story every there culture, is, yeah yeah there's a flood story almost every culture there's some type of well no even before and that's not every culture but the native americans talked about sasquatch and families of them and stuff i said yeah they would be close to them, them. Cause, right because we don't we don't live in the woods like they do I mean, yeah. that back then you were in the woods, you know, you had your teepees, you, you were in the woods all the time. So you're bound to see something like that. Oh, they, they, I mean, Native Americans supposedly traded with tribes of hairy men. Yeah. And they, and, but they also considered them from what I've been told, they were spiritual. Like they were spirits of the woods and mm -hmm. you would see them when they wanted you to see them. And then you wouldn't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. Like they would, they would walk up into the woods, and you would see them disappear as they walk into the woods. So, I mean, I've heard that they might be guardians of the planet. You know, exactly. They're, they're guardians <laughs> of the They're guardians of the nature. I mean, yes. They, and they only they show up in nature if you're in the woods, and they think you're up to no good. I've heard that theory, and I kind of can see the sense of it. But I also, I kind of think they're more of like a blood and skin type creature than mm -hmm. like that. I, I, cause I've, I've heard plenty of people tell me that they're, I mean, but I've also heard theories that they're ultra dimension, that they're interdimensional. They're all that they're called ultra terrestrials because of that. Mm -hmm. So, or that they're extraterrestrials as well. Like there are so many theories about Bigfoot that I can't even, it would take me hours to really go through them all. But I mean, I believe they exist. That's all that matters to me is they exist. Oh, yeah. And I, I believe we're very close to proving it. We already proved it to some degree because there are pictures and videos I've seen of them that prove to me they exist 100%. But until everybody believes it and we have the, we have the undeniable proof of it, no, it's not going to be a, a worldwide belief until there's an un, undeniable proof that they exist. And I, I think they're smarter than we realize, you know. Oh, uh, they're, they're smart enough to stay away from us, you know. Definitely smart enough to stay away from us. Um, I believe they're smarter than humans. Uh, they they yeah. they're more pro they're more primal, but they're smarter mm -hmm. than humans. Yeah, and, and just a lot, and and for people that you know, just dismiss stuff because they don't really really know or they don't want to believe. You know, so you know, let's find out. You know, it's a good possibility. Just like in your in your case, um. With the ghosts, I believe it, I had a guest one time that told me most interesting thing is that because of religions that told you you're going to hell, some people think they were uh, they they're not worthy and they will not go over to the next realm. 
they're afraid because there's going to be retribution. And you know, it's retribution in the next realm. I'm not going to pass over, you know, because all these cultures are talking about heaven, Valhalla. You're passing over to whatever next realm there is, you know, because yeah. energy doesn't die. But you're afraid to go because you heard these stories that you're going to go to hell and stuff. So you're afraid. And so you're able to stay between one realm instead of moving over where you're supposed to be because you're afraid to move over there. Exactly. And I, I mean, that's the reason a lot of spirits are, are stuck on earth, I believe. Right. It's because they're, they're afraid They're afraid of what's next. So mm-hmm. mo- most psychics and mediums I've talked to say that th- what's next is basically a waiting room for you to be reincarnated and brought back. Mm-hmm. Which, Which I believe. <laughs> Which, I mean, it was like it, re- re- reincarnation. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I do believe. That's it. And I, and I, I had this person on there was like 16. She was like, um, what, 16 clues to know, I think it's Barbara Lane, 16 clues to know who you were in a past life, because you say things in jest. And I know I say things in jest. I said, hey, um, I tell people, I said, I was a king in a past life. I said, but I didn't know how to get along with the masses and and do right. And I said, there's a coup d'etat, and I end up in this life, and I'm a social worker in this life. <laughs> exactly. I mean, right. I, I mean, the, the old uh, homage of like, I was a Nubian prince in a past life, but yeah, right. or I, I was I was King Arthur in my past life, but <laughs> but I didn't get I didn't I didn't get along with the Knights of the Round Table, and now I'm back here serving I, as a waiter. I had to learn that. <laughs> yes, I had to learn that. I didn't. If I was a good king, I could have moved on to the next with whatever else I'm supposed to learn. As I say, uh, Earth is a learning ground. You agree to come here. And I, it sits right with me. And I grew up in a household that was religious and Christian. But I said, and they, and they definitely, you don't get another chance. You just go and sit there with Jesus. And I said, I believe that we're sent here to learn. I learn and, and, and grow and evolve spiritually. So, and I can't believe that Johnny can, you know, end me, you know, and that's it. And I said, well, I look at people now and I said, I think people, they do have a clock of how long they're supposed to be here. And if you go over it, there might be trouble. And I tell, I said, look at all the famous people when their time is up for them to be historically great. What did uh, uh, James Dean said, live hard, die young, leave a good looking <laughs> corpse. And I, I, I kind of believe, and I, I said, I told somebody one time, I said, Michael Jackson, maybe spade a little late. I said, he had to go. I said, because he was, we didn't want to see old Michael Jackson. It's like going to see old Elvis, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we want to we want to see that when they chose the stamp, they chose the young Elvis. And I said, for us to go, and some people know when their time is up and it's shown. I said, there's it, the same story of Lincoln when Lincoln had the dream. He had the dream. Yeah, with, who's dead? And they look and say, oh, the, the the president's dead, and he's in the coffin. Yep. And shortly after, he's at Ford's Theater, and Martin Luther Bam. King said. I had a dream. He said, I'm, 
I've seen them out, I've been to the mountain. I'm not going to get there with you. Many times they tried to kill him. He did, my time's up now. They're going to get lucky. And how many times they missed, it was like he knew his time was up. I'm not going to see it with you. I mean, it's funny you say that because, like, I always go back to like Men in Black One, where where Tommy Lee Jones is like, Elvis didn't die; he went home. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, Michael Jackson. I mean, yeah, because I mean, old Elvis was was fat, and nobody wanted to watch him jiggle his hips on stage anymore because he was getting fatter and Mm -hmm. older, and no, none of the ladies wanted to watch that anymore. And old Michael Jackson would have been freaking see through. Mm-hmm. With the, with his skin condition, he would have been see through by the time he got old. So I mean, who knows? I mean, it just he he lived a long. I mean, Michael Jackson lived long enough, I think. To, like, yeah, he he was a star for thirty plus years at least. So I mean, he it things are meant to happen when they happen. It's fate. I, I, I'm a huge believer in fate and karma and all that. So you're you you're the date you are meant to die is written before you are born. Mm-hmm. You just don't know it. Do you call yourself in when your mission is done? And your mission is done. Do you call yourself in? And as that, that's that's a, a question to know. Or the other side is like, I completed my mission. It's time for me to go. You know, am I one of those people that are? It's gonna, am I gonna die old, or is it better that I completed my mission and I exit right away? And Maybe you get to choose that. You get to choose it, you know. So, yeah. Maybe you I mean, may leave that good-looking corpse, you know. So young corpse, so people can remember that, you know. But it's, you, I think it, like you choose it and you decide your parents. What's the best thing for you to complete your mission? And I believe sometimes you forget what it is because you have free will, like the angels and everything. Forget, go completely off script, and you might get called back to start over. You, you know, uh, you didn't learn what you're supposed to learn and you go and stuff. I did people that near death experience had one on a show and they, um, they, um, they said that, um, essentially you come down, you have to learn and, you know, and they went, when they had the near death experience, they said that, um, I'm up here. I'm happy. And they're talking about how happy they were and stuff like this. Uh, and they're around these, uh, they said they didn't judge them, but let them see their life and let them judge their life. You know, uh, that view of your life. And she was like, I'm not going back there ever and stuff. And they kind of said, she says that every time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, right. I've had, I've had, I've had a few people on the show who've had NDEs near death, near death experiences. And, from what they tell me, most of them were at, they talked to someone or something when they were at that door. And it usually asked them, are you ready to come home, my child? Or do you want to go back and finish what you started? And both the people I had on my show that I could think of that NDEs, they both said, I want to go back and finish what I started. I could do better. And they were, give, it took days of convincing the other thing, but eventually they were able to come back. No, and they were usually they were usually in comas for that time. We, and as usual, there's something that changes you about being the other side. People talk about coming back with with gifts. You know. Well, 
neither of these people had gifts when they came back. They just one one became a life coach who is very successful now, and he has many clients. And he, Kellen Fluckinger, Fluckinger, he has a very unique name. And there's only two, as he says, there's only two people in the world with his name. And he's a very successful life coach now, and he's helped thousands of people better their lives, which I guess you can call that a gift. Maybe that's a like, gift. That's not like a, I wouldn't say it's a traditional gift like you expect to come back with. And the other one is someone who is disabled, like she has a mental disability, but she was able to come back and spread her message, and that was her gift. So, I mean, they come back with gifts, I would say, but just not like the magical power gifts you think they come back with, like people think they come back with. I think when you said that she was disabled, I believe that when I say you you come to learn something or, or something, there's some mission you have. I mean, uh, Helen Keller, yes. I think she decided to come down like that because you're going to teach, you know, a different way to world. look at these people. Yeah, how to, how to help them. So she said, I'm going to come in the world like that. And that's, you know, because that's part of my mission. Yeah, he's he, this time if I was born to rich people with unlimited resources, I'd be a lazy son of a, you know, it's like, <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, for my mission, I had to be, my first job was in a housing project I grew up in, that was my first job, so it was part of my mission, I guess, so. Well, I hate to wrap it up wrong, because I've been having a great time for an hour and 13 minutes at this point, having a conversation with you, and I definitely want to have you back on at some point because there's so much more we could talk about that I would love to hear your opinions on. So yeah. I, I definitely am going to try to schedule another date with you to, to do a part two. But I do have to wrap it up because I got kids. I got to get to bed. Okay. And my wife, my wife is my, – my, my, yeah, as you saw, my co-host here. But my wife is my wife is probably losing it out there trying to call right. these kids. <laughs> well, just but, uh, tell your listeners it's called Healers Three Tales of Miracles, Angels, and Lost Souls this is by Ron Mills. Or it be and right now it's uh, really on sale at that big big place where everybody orders stuff from. This <laughs> is like half price right now. And if you got a Kindle and you want to spend like a buck ninety nine cents. Island Alien is a really good novella. And they can find that on um, Amazon. Amazon, yes. Right. Both of them and, you can find on Amazon. And can they can they find your paranormal show? Is it are no? It's it's, it it's it's off. That was it. That was uh, it was five year run. It was off and stuff. And there's there's no archives of it that people can listen to it anywhere. No, the, I don't know what they did with it on Talk Tame at Radio, but uh, I I remember my tagline was always. Doubt if you dare, but believe if you have the courage. So, I like that. I like that. And you should look into that, though. You should look into like being able to release the episodes out somewhere. I mean, there's there's a podcast idea there where you could release all the old episodes. I asked them because it's like those people are hard to get, and it was just like, you know, that like interesting people, but it it fed my curiosity. I'm still looking at stuff, you know, and and but oh. it really fed my curiosity. Trust me, I know. I have so many people that want to be guests on my show that I have a hard time getting them all on and like keeping track of them. Like it's mm-hmm. it gets so the paranormal field is so large and huge that it, it just, is. It I is. I've yet to ha- I've yet to have one repeat guest, but 
but I definitely am going to have it with you because I, there's, oh my God, I, I could talk to you for hours about this mm-hmm. stuff and not get tired of it. So, I mean. Thanks, sir. I, Appreciate it. Not a problem. Uh, but all my listeners know where you can find me. Uh, listen to the pre-recorded outro at the end of this episode. But, mm-hmm. but please check out Ron's books on Amazon because I know I will be because I am really curious now about his books and I want to read them. Like more than like I say this about a lot of my guests, but like his books, I really want to read. They sound so interesting, and I probably will be buying them on Kindle next time I have to go on a trip somewhere, so I have something to read. But and oof, I mean both of them. Jeez, I love angels. I love stories by angels. I'm not religious, but I love stories by angels. I don't know why. I think it's because they're like a pr- primal creature. They're like a before time creature, which is always interesting to read about, and they fascinate me to no end. Anything related to angels or demons, I love. Like the two, the, those two subjects fascinate me to the end of the earth. But and aliens, of course, who doesn't love aliens? <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Ron, for coming on. It's been an absolute You're pleasure welcome. to have you on. And to all my listeners and watchers, I will be back with another live episode. I want to say Wednesday, but I could be wrong. Yes, Wednesday, I'll be back with another live episode. So please come back and. Check us out. Check me out, and thank you once again, Ron, for coming on. Thank and you. And I will, I will catch my listeners and watchers next time. Have a good night, everybody.